Another big episode of the podcast coming up. We're talking all the fallout from Sydney FC being crowned A-League Women Champions for 2022-2023. Then we're going to talk a little bit about the A-League Men Finals that are coming up. Adelaide United going down to the Mariners 4-1 at home. The result of that and, and the fallout from that. And then also Melbourne City beating the Wanderers on Friday as well. How how things are shaping up heading into the finals with a massive uh, Sydney derby coming up as well in the elimination final. So that's uh, that's all coming up. Welcome back to another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. And tonight we've got, uh, we're actually starting by talking about a bit of A-League Woman because it is, it is the major, the major headline in Australian football right now. Sydney FC crowned champions of the A-League Woman, uh, finally again after, uh, after narrowly missing out in the, in the last couple of years. But, uh, they've thrashed West United 4-0. In the grand final in front of a, in front of a record crowd. Um, and Cody Ajada, who was actually at the game, uh, covering it for us, uh, front page football joins me, uh, for this first part to, uh, to discuss uh, and review the, review the game. And then, uh, we've got, we've got Antonis coming in in the second part to talk a little bit about the, uh, the A-League men. But Cody, first of all, how are you? Uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, your experience at the game as well. Uh, and, and kind of, I guess your, your initial thoughts on, on what you saw. Well, first of all, I am going to be in the second part, right? The way that it sounded is just so you and Antonis for the second part of this. Yes, but, um, yes, you are going to be in the second part. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sorry that I did not make that clear. Yeah, I'm scared yeah. for a sec there, Christian. Um, no, I'm good. Very good experience today. First time kind of being in the, um, press box around some very, very, uh, people high up in the journalism game. Some people that I've kind of looked at, um, in a way, I don't want to say inspiration because that might be a bit too tedious, but, um, there are people that well, you yeah, look you at. Can't, that you can't say you look at other people for inspiration in front of me. That's offensive. No, uh, you're 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 my dream. If I turn out like you when I'm older, even though you're three years younger than me, I will be very very happy. Now that <laughs> well, yeah, that's the awkward part. Anyway, no, but look, honestly, it was a very very good game. Very physical game, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I should be surprised by that, considering how West United did approach the last game. And Mark Zuckerberg actually did say, um, in the press conference afterwards that he was looking to match and overpower. Yeah, it was a clear tactic. physically. Yeah, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And one that worked very, very well for them last game. And not so much tonight, I guess, if you want to put it lightly. Well, I mean, just straight off the bat, I think it's, I think it's very clear that, that Sydney FC thoroughly deserved, uh, their championship. And for me, I, I said it a couple of weeks ago. I, I think they're head and shoulders, to be honest, above, above anyone else's competition. I know, and I know people can say, oh, well, Western only beat them a couple of weeks ago. But when you go back and watch that game and you go back and even look at the highlights, if you want, uh, you can get a very quick snapshot that Sydney are uh, the the best football playing team in the competition. If that makes if that kind of makes sense, they they're on the front foot. They can keep the ball really well. Their their chance creation is kind of off the charts. Like they're they're constantly you know uh, creating opportunities every time they get forward. And a team like Western is too for for an occasion like that. They were way too um, you know set up. To basically nick a goal on the counter or nick a goal against the run of play and, and settle on it. And to be honest, it, it, it was basically when, when Madison Haley scores so early in the game like that, that just changes everything because Western's approach just goes completely out the window. 
Well, look, it's something we spoke about on Front Page Dub during the week, actually, where if you're going to beat Sydney FC, that's almost the only way you can, because if you try to match what they do in the way that they can go and dominate a game and really play on the front foot, you're going to get found out and they're just going you're to going take You're going to get burnt. Yeah, you're going to get burnt. Yeah. I mean, Western United, towards the end of the game, really did start trying to put the pressure on Sydney FC, and all that happened was Sydney weren't holding onto the ball as much as all they could, and they, the first chance they got, they were looking for someone like Courtney Vine or Princess Beanie behind. And it was killing West United. It was, it was, it was, that was probably the best that I'd seen, uh, Courtney Vine play in that match because at the start of the match when West United were kind of sitting back, Vainich was doing a really good job on her. Mm. Suddenly the fullbacks trying to push forward, trying to help the team go forward. And Courtney Vine's just got this mountain of space to work in. And when you're going up against two wingers like that, I know I'm pointing out Courtney Vine, but Princess Sabine's doing the same thing. You can't leave him that much space to go forward like that. So it mm. does, Sydney do force teams to kind of retract into their shell a little bit. And it's probably the reason why we get to say that they are the best football playing team in the country. And I'm not, when I say that, I don't think I just mean the women's. I think even if you look at the men's as well, I don't see a team that's able to consistently go and play on the front foot and attack as quickly as Sydney FC do. Melbourne City is a very, very good side. They're probably yeah, yeah, yeah. the only ones that can match them in that respect. But I think Sydney FC probably just edged it in my opinion. But look, there's a lot to love about Sydney FC. They, you could argue that they are the best. This is the best era of an early women's team ever. Um, Melbourne City is obviously their first early days. <coughs> sorry. Their, um, early days between 2015, 2020, they were almost just as dominant, but this in FC side is really something special, especially. But just haven't had the, yeah, but the, the problem it's, is, it's like a grand decision, but yeah. Yeah, but the thing that's probably the, I don't know if it's the, the, probably a fact that isn't as talked about as much, but you're talking about an era where, we're not having half the, or the whole Matilda squad playing in the early women's as well. So they're finding these players, they're nurturing these players and developing them to go on to bigger and better things. And they're doing that continuously and they're doing that very well. Yeah. Well, it's funny because it feels like such a dominant era, yet they, because they've fallen short on, on, on those occasions. That's that Australian final. football, but we love the yeah. grand final. But if you yeah, look at a league yeah. perspective, how many teams win that's, it three years right. in a row? That's right. But I'm just saying historically, in, in like 15 years, when you look back, people will think more about the grand finals and that's, that's, that's nothing against them. But possibly. now they've, yeah, possibly, but now they've got the massive four nil result. And I mean, you actually look at, if you want to go to the qualifying final and then, or the semi final and then, and then this game, uh, tonight, I mean, Sydney had a combined 51 shots across both games and 28 of those were on target. I mean, in game one, they had 55% of the ball. In game two, they had 60% of the ball. So for me, like I get, I get this is Western's approach, and I get you know you have to give them credit. They went two 0 down, but then they still they actually had quite a few chances towards the end of the first half. They could have very easily got back into that game if it wasn't for Jada Wyman. Um, but basically, Sydney just completely, completely had their had full control over both of those games. Um, and for me, that's why I thought that one 0 result in the semi final was a little bit of a was a little bit of luck, and then I think. It was there was there was a possibility this could have happened uh, tonight that that Sydney were going to come out and basically kind of say, look, we we've had enough of this, you know, kind of not taking our chances, rubbish. We're 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 just going to put you to the sword, um, and and they did that. What you saw tonight was Sydney FC at their best. It's what we all know they can do as well. They have always had the potential to do. And at the end of the day, if you're going to step up like that in a game, you're going to do it in the grand final. Um, interesting, you kind of mentioned that little period where West United really looked like they were going to get some chances. We spoke about 
Casey Dumont during the week and how good she's been and yeah. how it could shape maybe if she is looking for Matilda's selection. Obviously, since then, since we recorded, she has decided um, to go with the AFL Women's and look, full power to her. Hopefully, it goes well for her and hopefully we do see her at Melbourne Victory next season because she's a great asset to the league. But um, it's a weird, com- it's a weird conversation to have around between her and Jada Wyman because I think sometimes we have forgotten this season how good Jada Wyman is and it's probably because she also doesn't need to get involved as much in games. It's not like she's going to mm-hmm. have to pull off 12 or 13 saves just in one match. She's only- I mean, in a way, that's what makes it better when she does yeah, actually well, look the save. Yeah. I believe it was, um, Mark Bosnich that said, <laughs> I believe it was Mark Bosnich that said it's hard, almost harder to be a keeper for a good side than a side probably lower on a table because you've got to keep your concentration levels very high to be able to pull off that one save you need to in a match where it could be the difference between a one nil or a one all or something like that. And Jada Wyman does that very well. There's only really two big saves that she pulled off in that match, but you can still point at that and go, that almost was a turning point for Sydney FC because if Westy Knight score even just one of those, you're going into the break only 2-1 up, or from Westy Knight's perspective, 2-1 down with the momentum. Who knows how that second half plays out? So as much as we do need to give Sydney FC's attack credit because obviously it's a 4-0 win, you're, the the um, spotlight's on what they attacked in that game, but... Mm. Jada Wyman's contribution also today was massive. Yeah, no, uh, at, for sure, for sure. Um, how about you? You just fill us in on, I guess, the reaction from both coaches since since you were there. You did attend the presses. Um, what what was the feeling, I guess, from from Mark Torcaso after the game? Given given like the journey they've had yet to be to be smashed in the grand final, it's still it's a, it's a kind of bittersweet feeling, right? Uh, you'd be surprised. It was actually the one cracking jokes, um, for a lot of the press days. Um, I don't know if you'd say good spirits, but, um, in a good mood, I think if you're looking at the bigger picture and a lot of people in the press were asking more about the bigger picture, I guess you don't want to ask too many questions and really put him down in the dumps after a four nil loss. But (laughs) you look at the journey West United has been on to be here and it's not something that's just been, oh, yep, we've put this idea together for this season and they've done really well and a lot better than what other people expected to. This is something that's been what, three years in the making almost ever since that link with Cal United began. And, and, and really, you, you'd imagine it's going to be, continue to be prosperous moving forward. You, you'd hope anyway for their case. Well, it'll be interesting to see if, um, any of those West United players do go back to Cal United in the NPL, but there's definitely players there coming in preparing for whoever they might lose, but it does look, I think his intention is to keep as many players as he can together. But, um, I don't know. I wouldn't say he was, um, down the dumps. It wasn't a negative atmosphere in that press conference it was actually um it was, it was quite happy i think like i said there's a bigger picture to look at here and i think he was kind of using that he said he pulled the girls in reminded them about the journey they've been on to be proud of what they did and in all honesty they deserve it. they deserve to be here today um they deserve to be the home team today but that's a, a conversation for another day but um and someone did actually <laughs> ask him about that that's um something i shared on to my own socials where he said look as much as it did feel like an away game today in his words um he slept in someone else's bed, but um, what, said, can like, you, just just real quick. Um, look, I didn't want to come on here and and kind of get all into this too much, but and I don't was, want to get into it too much either. Yeah, yeah, I know. But what does what was the atmosphere like there? Like, did it really feel very Sydney FC dominant? Honestly, um, looking at the volunteers, I don't know if it was just a shirt they were given, but it looks like a lot of Wanderers volunteers. <laughs> so <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> You're talking, this, the attention's really been on Sydney FC when the deal was made because of, um, obviously the link with Danny Townsend. It's his old club that he used to run. 
Yeah. But um, yeah, considering it was Combank, it looked like a lot of Wanderers volunteers were there for the game. Um, I could be wrong. It could have just been they're wearing red t-shirts and maybe I'm just blind. But yeah. um, it definitely felt more Wanderer-centric than Sydney FC-centric. Obviously, the crowd was 90% Sydney FC, but that's only a given considering it's in the city. Was the crowd and- also 90% handouts or... Oh, that I have no idea. I can't confirm. No, how I'm, many not gonna, no and I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say I know that. But, either, um, but anyway, yeah. I'll track back to what Takaso was talking about because that's where yes, this conversation yes, came up. And it, the only reason I brought it up was he actually kind of made a funny joke when um he was asked, "Did it feel like an away game today?" And he was like, "Well, yeah, I slept in someone else's bed." Oh, but, um, he, <laughs> but he did go on to say that like it doesn't really matter where they're playing. At the end of the day, the APL's given them a venue. It's a grand final. They've just got to show up and do what they can do. Yeah. And I guess. In a way, you can see they tried to, but it doesn't matter where the game's played. Sydney FC is also a very dominant side, and whether Sydney FC turn up like that in Sydney or Melbourne, it's going to be the same result if they're going to play like that. No one's stopping them. Well, I think I think Sydney will, still would have won if it was in Melbourne, uh, and I know that's you know how how can you kind of you know be be sure of that? I just think that they're they're just yeah, like I said earlier, just the, just the head and shoulders above above the rest of the competition. And that, they're and, an actually good side. It's that's all it is. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, so so yeah, what. Just on this crowd thing. So obviously, look, there's a record crowd for, for an A-League Women Grand Final, which is absolutely fantastic. I mean, let's, handouts or not or whatever, that's, that's on its own right. That's absolutely fantastic. It's almost have 10,000 fans at an A-League Women Grand Final. I mean, that would have been unheard of like 10 years ago, right? Well, in reality, the start of the season, I know Wellington Phoenix were aiming to get 10,000 to their opening game. Um, obviously it was the first time that they Wellington Phoenix side was going to play New Zealand. Yeah. Their aim was 10,000. They only managed to get. 5,000 five yeah, yeah. Obviously, without the deals that the APL is going to put on to make sure they get fans to the stand, to, into the stadium, into the stands. I think one thing that gets forgotten in all of this, and it obviously has been overshadowed by the fact that this has come on to make sure that, I guess some people will say it's to vindicate what the APL did, and it does suck that this is kind of where the conversation turns around the grand final win. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad we did talk about how good a side Sydney FC are, but this is obviously going to be the major narrative around the game. The reality is any women's competition in its early stages, these are the sorts of things that clubs, leagues um, did to get fans into the stands. You look at the AFL women's, I believe they still try and give out free tickets to games. Mm. You look overseas, you look at clubs like Barca, Arsenal, they, to originally start up their women's sides and really get people going to them, they gave out free tickets to those as well. It was um, an account on Twitter, Bay 49 Wanderers. I know they shared that information. So a quick shout out to them. But it it would look a lot better if the decision leading into it wasn't made and if this was maybe happening in Melbourne, if they were going to do the same thing, it'd be a question of would they do the same thing if it was not in a post-APL grand final decision world. But however... It, it's how it, it looks. That's what that's what this is all about. Um, it's when, how it looks, but yeah. at the end of the day, no matter what happened in the lead up to it, this is what really should be we should be doing to get people to, into the gates. We've got a record crowd. It was a great atmosphere. It was, it was a better atmosphere than what I saw at some Wanderers games last year. Especially, obviously, they weren't in the best of states. But you've got 9,000 people. It's all young kids. Every time someone's attacking, even when Wednesday United are going forward, they're screaming, they're getting excited. Obviously, I couldn't hear it 100% um, in the media box. But even the noise that was coming through there, like it was only faint what we heard, but you could tell outside it was quite pumping. So that's what you've got to do to get people into the games. And eventually, they will become paying customers. It sucks that this came around because they were maybe trying to make sure that this was a success, but whatever was the reason for it, you can only credit the fact that they did it. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree with, with a lot of you saying, with a lot of what you're saying. But, um, I guess the problem is, is that when, when you make that decision and then all the, all the backlash comes in and then basically people feel like they, they know where it's going to head in terms of how the, how the crowd is actually going to look and, and, you know, that it, that it potentially wasn't going to be anywhere near what, what it actually was in the end. Then, then people get, get funny about it. And then if, if it turns out to be a good crowd, then everyone's obviously going to come out and, and, you know, taint it, uh, on, on social media and stuff. But I think your point around saying that, well, actually, it's a good idea to give out free tickets to, to encourage fans to then come next time and potentially pay next time when, 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 um, when there isn't maybe, you know, a handout or anything like that. Then I actually agree with that. It's more where it's coming from in the background uh, behind it. But anyway, I don't want to, like, like we said, you know, we don't want to talk about this too much. So, uh, Ante Yurich, what, uh, what was kind of, how much, how much relief was, uh, emanating from, uh, from his side? Oh, well, there was relief or happiness. Either way, he was in good spirits <laughs> as well. So. And look, you can't blame him. It's something that's obviously missing from his trophy cabinet for a little while now. <clears throat> so the fact that he's now gone and won the double, well, anyone would be in good spirits. And a lot of the um, discourse around that was basically kind of what comes next as well, because you look at it now, they've won the double, they've, he's finally achieved with his side what he's been pushing for for so long. And you can almost sit there and ask what's next. And yeah, you, he's kind of just sat there and went, well, yeah, we're just going to go and do the same thing next year. But until maybe there is a cup competition coming in in Australia, until the Champions League can finally get off the ground at an AFC level, it, it's a weird. It's a weird one to say what's the next thing. Well, for I him think to I, I think it won't be too hard for them because I think they've got so much pain from from losing grand finals in the past that I think they feel probably they'll never like, take it for granted again. <laughs> no, that's right. I think they think like let's literally go and win like three in a row and like just make it very clear. <laughs> um, that they are know, the dominant side in yeah, this country. You know what I mean? And yeah. the probably other key point that came out of that was what's going to happen next year. And he said it looks like all but four players are definitely re-signed for next year. Um, of those four, he's not sure how many he's going to be able to hold on to. Um, some players may be looking for opportunities overseas. Um, the only name that he gave away, and he wouldn't give it away straight away, it was only because it came up in a later question. Um, Courtney Vine, it's probably going to look like she may look for a move overseas. Mm. Where that is, and if that gets off the ground, no further information. And the other three players that are touch and go, whether they'll be there next year, uh, he remained very, very tight-lipped on that one. Um, <laughs> that was another little joke he cracked on some, um, I believe it was Joe Lynch that tried to ask the question and you kind of laughed and went, yeah, you're not getting that out of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess talk about some of the, some of the young players on this, on this Sydney FC team because. I mean, it's fantastic to actually watch them on a big stage like this perform the way they did. One, one, uh, one girl in particular who deserves a massive shout out is Rachel Lowe. Um, you've, you've mentioned her before on, on front page dub, I believe as well. And kind of also just like in the general kind of media landscape, she's kind of been more mentioned in, I feel like the back half of the season. She maybe wasn't getting the same attention in the, in the first half of the season, but she's, I mean, come on leaps and bounds. She's absolutely fantastic tonight. I mean, some of her, you know, her decision making in the midfield area, her touches on the ball. Um, you know, she she barely put a foot wrong. It was interesting, actually. One thing I noticed, she was actually pushing into a lot more advanced roles than Hawksby, who you probably look at and as the chief creator in that Sydney FC side. But Rachel Lowe, she was definitely picking up more of the space in behind Madison Haley, and I guess that's kind of natural considering uh, Rachel Lowe did spend a lot of the season while Madison Haley was out with injury as. Kind of a makeshift striker. So 
you got to credit her versatility, you got to credit her energy, her ability on the ball, and even, <clears throat> like you said, her decision-making tonight was top class. And look, that may be someone else out of that side that's looking for a move to Europe to try and advance their career. But yeah, she's... well, that's what I'm th- I just wonder, could one of these young Sydney FC players be, be snapped up, whether that's um, Sarah Hunter, Rachel Lowe? There's you know. a lot that it could be. That's the thing. Yeah. And you look at this. I, like, I look at someone like Rachel Lowe. She's a fantastic player. Up until tonight, I wouldn't have even been 100% that she's going to be a guaranteed starter. There's that much quality in the mm. side because you're talking about youngsters. Indiana Dos Santos could have easily. Oh, I, I think, I think that. that would have been a, that would have been a huge call to start. It would have been a, a huge call, <laughs> like, but it wouldn't have been one that was wrong, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, she's a fantastic player. She's someone. And now, and, uh, sorry, sorry. And now she's going to roll into school tomorrow, um, with a, with a, with, with a, a medal. Hey, the they medal look game. like all, um, from what the, uh, the A-League socials posted today, it looked like all the school friends were there watching her. It's just all, <laughs> like, they said, oh yeah, she's a celebrity of 15 a, years old. It's, it's oh, a maybe huge, it's a huge high school power move. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the FC socials. Sorry. I haven't got that one mixed up, but, oh, um, she okay. was talking about, oh, look at this a celebrity of 15 years old already and all these people behind her. They'd say it looked like her age, but she's the one on this side of the fence. It's very, very funny, but she's, oh, yeah. and look, we gave her a glowing review on front page dub during the week, but she's, I, I can't describe how good she is. And I put her in the same breath as someone like Daniela Gallich, who gets a lot of plaudits because of mm. what she did, was able to do at the under 20th World Cup. Indiana Dos Santos obviously hasn't had that experience yet, although her sister did, but, um, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about. And it's even crazy to think where she might go considering what she's achieved already. Yeah, no, just crazy. Like, like I said, like just, just rolling into high school. Just, yep. Here's my, here's my A League woman. That's that's uh, cool kids championship winning medal. Like, just, just kind of have that. Um, so yeah, that's 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 pretty cool. But um, on on Western, I mean, um, like you said, Tolkasso seemed pretty positive about them for next year. What if you had to kind of, I'm not saying make a prediction, but if you had to kind of say, do do you see them kind of being back at this stage again next year? Do you see them just being kind of in amongst the top four or, or could they have more of a struggle as teams? Cause I think, I think teams might watch this game today and just kind of felt like, okay, now going into next season, the, the main thing here is now going into next season, everyone's going to know how Western want to play. That, that's, that's for sure. So they're going to know that if you can get them on the back foot and if you can try and nick a goal early and get them to change the way they play, then you've got a chance. The thing is, is that they are very good at the way they play and, and it suits their personnel very well. So, I mean, how, how are you seeing them potentially shaping up for next season? Everyone would have worked out how Western want to play. And I think one thing we've got to credit as well is their versatility. But everyone would have worked out how they want to play halfway through the season. It did nothing. They still finished second. They still were able to get to the grand final. They're a good side. I don't think... Things figuring them out is going to be what holds them back next year. What will hold them back will be if they are able to keep a lot of this squad together. I think that's probably the biggest question you can ask of them. Uh, Mark Tocasa said at the very least he wants a player of the caliber of Jess McDonald to come in as well, whether it's Jess McDonald herself or someone else. But, um, if they're able to do that, they're definitely going to be amongst the top again. I don't think teams figuring out how they are is going to be what's going to be their downfall. You said Sydney FC were able to put them on the back foot. They were able to nick a goal early. That That's true. But that's also Sydney FC. I think that's a whole different question. Yeah, to of course. Yeah. How does a Brisbane Raw stop them? Or to be how fair, does a to be fair, Phoenix stop them? I think one part of of this that Tokasi will be very annoyed about is the fact that they did concede two goals from set pieces, the first two goals. Like It's not like Sydney FC played through them 
and open them up on those first two goals, right? Like, I mean, those are goals where you really don't want to concede in, in games like this. So, so I guess he'd be, he'd be a little bit frustrated, um, frustrated with that. Um, yeah. Right. And that does offer maybe a false sense of how clinical Sydney FC were. Like, yeah, they were a brilliant in those two, um, instances and they did create a fair few chances as well. But Alana Cern, Hillary Bill did make a lot of positive moves at the back. Tyler Javlanich did a very good job on Courtney Vine, particularly in the first half. The first half, yeah. There was yeah. a lot that Western United could probably take away from it defensively. And Tukasov actually said it after the game. He was, that's probably the one aspect of today that I was disappointed with because mm. they're not usually a side that concedes on set pieces and for Haley to have space to either score or create a chance twice and two corners in a row I'm pretty sure mm. it's it's not really a good look for him the first one uh, she started I know she started to run a little bit further back was able to come into it and I don't know why no one was tracking her well I know I mean I'm marked to the back post like that that's yeah that's a coach killer yeah. and when it's your when it's the other team's focal point they're number nine yeah it's it's even worse but um even the second one where I think they did try to get Kane on her and her and Bill kind of ran into each other and Haley was able to nod it back and Tobin was free. So the center back who is usually the one that's able to. Matt Tobin scoring on a hundredth game. That's and fantastic. That also is being fantastic. captain for the championship win. I mean, how it just literally can't get any better. It doesn't than get that. much better than that. But like I said, like she's someone who is usually thought on set pieces yeah. as well herself. So to leave her and I'm marked isn't good on West United, but. Yeah, and that time, and you can only feel happy for her than what she's been able to achieve today and in her career as well. And all that while working full time as an OT nonetheless. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, I, yeah. I was reading about that a few couple weeks ago and I just, yeah, it's incredible. There's a whole little access episode on it. Well, yeah, but there was also, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, anyway, but yeah, the commitment is outstanding. And, and when you, when you're so committed like that, I mean, you kind of deserve. Um, you know, uh, to, to captain your side to a championship, particularly after, after all the hard yards that they've put in. I mean, you could see, uh, post game on the pitch, um, when, yeah, she was just talking, um, to, to Neve Owens and just, yeah, she, she was just taking it all in and, and just what an incredible kind of road and journey it was to get there to finally, finally get over the hump. Um, last, last point, because there's going to be no more front page dub episodes, of course, now that the season's over. Well, coming back. Well. We're coming back next year. Well, yeah, I think yeah, we will yeah. confirm that. We that, can that announce was, that, right? That was literally my next sentence. Okay? I'm sorry, I thought you meant there's no point. No more episodes. Oh, yeah, I was no, like, no, hold no, on, no, do we no, get no, a no, You're done. You're done. You're done. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> that would be quite good. <laughs> um, obviously, next season, my, my apologies, we'll, uh, we'll be back with front page dub. So, summing it all up, what, uh, what kind of were your big takeaways, I guess, from the season? Things, things that you like, things that you didn't like, maybe, and, and kind of what you're hoping for next year. Uh, biggest takeaways. Um, this league is absolutely chaotic and borderline that, impossible mine, to yeah. predict. <laughs> we'd be talking, it, it was crazy. The amount of times that we'd sit there and we go, we like our t- deep dives and topics. We're not here to just run match reports. That's not what we, what we wanted to do. That was when we sat down and really planned this episode yeah. out. That's why I said to you, I wanted to do it fortnightly. So we could be a bit more topical rather than just reviewish, if you know what I mean. Mm. So. Every time we kind of went in deep diving. Oh, sorry, sorry. To... Ironically, we're being reviewish tonight. But anyway. Well, yeah. Look, it's, it's only been one game. It's going to happen. Like, you can't completely avoid it. When it came to the finals episodes, it was basically review semis, preview final. It's yeah. going to happen. Like, oh, you can't completely avoid it. And obviously, if there was a chaotic game, which happened every other week. So, <laughs> we can, I, can I just say with... this? Here's my takeaway of the season. Next year, 
Melbourne City 5 p.m. games on a Sunday. Just, 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 that's all I'm going to say. Okay. If, if, if they're playing at 5 p.m. on a Sunday, uh, that's 5 p.m. where I am. So SA, yeah. so it'll be 5, 5 30. True, yeah, there, there is nothing... let's not, let's, let's not get into the Eastern time <laughs> debate, shall we? Um, no, no, but... I'm not getting into that debate. I'm saying like 5 p.m. Um, Melbourne, yeah. kick, Melbourne City kickoff. Melbourne City That is kickoff. the place to be. So it's just, it's just, it's just chaos. I don't, I don't know why, but anyway. No, but what I was trying to say was every time we kind of go into it and really criticize a club, the next couple of weeks, they'd suddenly turned into like prime Barcelona, men or women. It was ridiculous. I remember, I still vividly remember we absolutely hammered the Wanderers and how they almost treated oh, their yeah. women's program like there was a disgrace. And by the time we recorded, by the time it was posted, they had signed, um, Serena Bolden. Yeah. And next thing you know, they were starting to pick up points. They picked up, what was it, like seven points in four games. And it was yeah. like, oh, shit, yeah. we screwed up on this one. <laughs> we awaken a beast or something. It was, the inverse, it was the inverse FPF curse. Anyway. Oh, it was, it was, it was very, very, I don't want to say ridiculous, but like you want to say, you want to see club succeed. And obviously the fact that Wanderers were able to go on to have the mini run that they did, it's, it was great to see. But yeah, in a way they made us look stupid. So that sucked. But, um, no, honestly, it was good fun. It was great to see every club kind of had something about them to like, even Wellington Phoenix. You know, they finished, the, finished strong. Yeah. They finished strong. They had, oh, there, there's an issue there where they probably don't have enough senior heads to really drive them forward and be a competitive force. But the fact that they are doing their best to really develop New Zealand talent, you can only credit that. The only team that probably annoyed me throughout the season was the Newcastle Jets. I don't feel like they oh, had enough. Oh, re- oh really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one's probably a bit of um, an obvious one. Um, no, but like, look, even someone like Newcastle Jets, every time we uh, criticise them, we were pointing out that their fences are better. And as much as the ownership, and that's probably a key takeaway that you can take from this season, Newcastle Jets mm. desperately need an owner because uh, while ever they don't have an owner, their women's program is going to struggle. So hopefully that does get sorted in the off-season. I do believe, and this is probably something you can confirm for me, that does look like it's going to actually happen, possibly. But, um, yeah, look, there's a lot. Uh, I, I'm saying, look, maybe. I don't know if you've heard anything through the grapevine. I, I'm not saying anything know. confirmed yet or not. I do, I do not know. Yeah. I thought, I, I've heard rumors. That's why I wasn't sure if you could expand that on me, because you're the one that, you, you have, you have your connections every now and then. But, um. No comment. Yeah, no comment, <laughs> no comment. That's all good. No, but like, you know what I mean. West United, yeah, yeah. not yeah. West United, Newcastle Jets, they, once their ownership um, situation gets sorted out, hopefully they're able to kick on as well. There's a few players in there that you can build a very, very good side around. Lauren Allen's the one that really comes to mind if I'm talking in that regard. But yeah, there's things about each club, even Brisbane Raw, we talk about them being a bit of a basket case. You have someone like Shay Connors who's really able to be mm. an exciting player to really sit down and watch. And obviously if they can keep hold of Katrina Gorey, one of the most exciting players to watch in the league. Even uh, Wanderers, once they really started to kick things into gear, um, Claire Hunt, they deserve Matilda. Now there's there's excitement in every A-League club, and I think that's the best thing that I can say about the dub. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, next year for sure. Um, last point, uh, because you've met Theresa Plyers, uh in person, and I cannot believe how short she actually is watching uh, watching on the coverage. If Teresa is listening uh, to this podcast, uh, just just a heads up. Um, I'm a massive admirer of your work, but I just can't believe how uh, how short you are. Just just just, just yeah, just uh, just. It, it, it was, honestly, it was a little bit trippy when I first met her. 
Well, look, she's a fantastic person. Some great banter as well. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't doubt that at all. She's just unbelievably um, small. If you want to talk about <laughs> things that you don't know that you probably didn't realise until first yeah. seeing it, um, her height probably wasn't the most shocking thing that I saw when I first met her. Um, that A-League Women's Trophy, heavy as all hell. You you wouldn't <laughs> guess it, but that thing is hard. like I went to lift this thing. Obviously, I had the gloves on because like, I don't want to ruin it. I'm not. I didn't win the league. I don't want to touch it. Like, I, I do believe in that little conspiracy, superstition sort of thing. But I went to lift this thing and I was like, oh, fuck, I've got to put this thing back down. It's heavy. I don't know. Like, Therese, you're talking about a statue. I don't know how she lifted this thing, man. She's, like, I asked her and she said, it's adrenaline. Like, you win a grand final, you're excited. Yeah. You grab this thing, you're swinging it around. Even she said she lifted it that day and she's like, oh shit, is that how heavy it is? Well, it puts, it puts into perspective her, how impressive her career really is. I mean, <laughs> look at someone, hey, someone uh, with that. I'm dying on this hill. Short people that are short. Uh, fantastic footballers. Look at Josh Nisbet. Oh, so, oh, that guy is like five foot two, five foot one. Great, great, and great he minds. One of my alike. favorite players watching this league. Great minds think alike. We're about to get onto it after this break, but Josh Nisbet absolutely terrorized that later. That's on, what I mean. On. Like you got, you got that low center football. of gravity. You're, you're hard to stop. You're no one's getting the ball off you. No, no, that's uh, that's true. That's true. Um, all right, all right, Cody. Uh, let's uh, let's take a break, and then on the other side, we've got uh, we've got some A League men uh stuff to discuss. Okay, Antonis Pagonis joins me and Cody now, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the doubleheader, which happened on Friday night in the A-League men, bit of a reaction, um, and then just kind of preview the first week of finals with the elimination finals next week. Antonis, first of all, how are you going? I'm all right. It's been a very busy weekend, especially with all the twists and turns. I think that top four talk on Friday night, but good to have the season over. Moving on to finals now. Almost had to rename uh, the site Pagonis Page Football this week um, because there are about four different articles from uh, from from yours truly there. Um, so uh, school holidays, so when you don't have your full time job to juggle with, you get a bit more time. Uh, anyway, um, moving on. All right, Antonis, let's let let's get to it. This is why you're here um, because Adelaide United had a had one of the bigger uh, bottle job collapse kind of home defeats I've seen from them in recent years on Friday. Uh, going down the Mariners 4-1, uh, losing, uh, that second spot and, uh, and the week off. Um, now they face Wellington, uh, back again Friday night at home, uh, next week in the elimination final. First of all, your thoughts on the result. You were there. Um, you know, what, what were kind of, you know, what was said afterwards, I guess, with, with Carl Viet and your kind of take on, on what happened. You could see it from the start that the Mariners basically entered this game. Mariners and Adelaide are two very similar sides in the way they're made up, in the way they're coached. And basically, to put it bluntly, the Mariners did to Adelaide what Adelaide's been doing to everyone the past couple of months. High pressing, pressing into mistakes, goals on in transition, on counter. And basically, that's what happened. And I've brought this up before, that in the regular season, you make up these habits. And these habits are what? defines you and one of Adelaide's habits has been conceding heavily and when you talk about conceding heavily you concede against everyone but you're the only one doing the scoring so your goals are going to run out at a point which we saw that on Friday night until the last moment but if you keep giving these sides opportunities especially one with the talent of Central Coast the goals will keep coming and that's basically what we saw on Friday night yeah and the the it's also the manner of some of these goals, which they're conceding. Uh, I mean, first goal, 
just completely. You know, you know what it was. It was more more. What Antonis, I think you're getting at is Adelaide. Uh, relying, you know, you, you, we we said this before. Adelaide's transition game is very good, and that's what they rely on. But the Mariners defeated them at their own game, and they killed them in transition. Absolutely killed them in the tra- transition on Friday. Um, and you look at yeah, the first goal there. Um, and even the uh, Tulio's second goal, the the long shot. I mean, there's just no pressure on the ball. That's just a basic kind of thing that you need to do. Get out to the ball, right? Um, and these habits, I. I just don't see how in the matter of, you know, kind of two weeks, Adelaide are going to kind of suddenly shore up their defense and look like a team, you know, look like a defense that's, you know, capable of, you know, uh, staving off a team like the Mariners if they play them now potentially in the semis, which is very, very real possibility or, uh, you know, a Melbourne City say in the grand final. I just, I just don't see it. Yeah. And it's something you tweeted as well about the two games this season. Yeah. The, I have read the aggregate. Mariners and Adelaide's 8-1. A 4-0 and a 4-1. And United supporters were celebrating at the end of the game on Friday because the late Melbourne City goal, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute, put Adelaide back on the line, on likely being on the Mariners side of the bracket if they beat Wellington. But once you're going with the Mariners, you know, that's a sign that's comprehensively beating you home and away. So we don't know what Wellington's going to show up. United should be winning that game at home. But you go in and a very tough match, which doesn't look like you'd match up too well, and you have to go home and away. So, as you said, there's a lot you need to fix against that specific side if you are to advance anywhere. And Adelaide's gone from holding that second spot, and after the City result, it would have only needed a draw to retain it, to now fighting for its life in the first week and having a very tough matchup in the second week. So it's all on to Adelaide's doing. But again, we'll see how it plays out. Kind of um funny how me and Antonis were there during the week. Carl kind of uh he forgot um that, that Adelaide lost four nil uh away the Mariners in January. Uh and then he he'll definitely remember this one. Uh let's yeah. let's just put it uh, that way. <laughs> it's something, yeah, that I asked about Oh, last time you matched up, this is what happened. And Carl kind of said, oh, was it this year? So obviously now there's a pattern and you have to respect the pattern, especially when it's as recent as that. There are obviously deficiencies in the way United defends. And if you are to go anywhere this season, you need to address it. But first, United needs to play itself back into form. It was in this form they hadn't lost in like two months before the Western United game a few weeks ago, actually the last loss United had was against the Mariners in that 4-0. Mm-hmm. So that tells you all about that big run. But now the Mariners are potentially two of your next three games and then your last game. So you need to start paying some attention. Cody, how, how did you see that game on Friday? Um, I only actually got to watch a replay yesterday. Um, I was out on Friday night and I was, I was catching bits and pieces of... Not, not good enough. What the hell? <laughs> I was catching bits and pieces of Wanderers and City for you. So yeah. I, I'm doing my work. <clears throat> no, but um, yeah, look, I think I, there's not much more that you can say after what Antonis said. Mariners came. They do what they did what Adelaide usually do to teams, put their pressure on them, force some mistakes, deadly in transition. Literally exactly what Antonis said, but yeah, look, it's full credit. Like I'll probably look at it from a Mariners perspective. You've got to give full credit to them because... Yeah. They're a fantastic side, and you saw them, kind of like what we said at Sydney say, as with Sydney say before, this was Mariners at their best. And you got players that maybe have flown under the radar a little bit, like your Michael Tullio, 
what a night it was for Mark Ortiz, something Leo's as well, um, just quietly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, he put in a fantastic performance. Josh Nisbet, Max Ballard in the middle. One of the more underrated midfield combinations. Um, Josh Nisbet, just, he just, he just quite simply does not get talked about enough. And it's actually starting to irritate me. It's funny because I feel like we do talk about him a lot, but it doesn't oh, we, feel we, like it's we enough. Do. We do. Don't worry about it. No, but <laughs> I, just in general, like there's people that are really noticing how good he yeah. is now, but. It still doesn't feel enough for how good he is. Well, he's been and good for quite a while. That's the thing. So he's always, he's always been a fantastic player ever yeah. since he's come into the Mariners side. Yeah. He's been great, but we're seeing him really evolve into not just a good starting player in the A League, but a top midfielder too. And I haven't, I haven't even finished going through the side because then you look at the back, Caltech, great performance from him. Triantis, sorry, fantastic one, ball one as thing, well. One thing on Caltech because as me and Antonis know very well, he was playing. Here in in SA with Big Rat, and so, so I'm not phrasing this to you right now. Do you think Adelaide missed out on Brian Caltech? I mean, you look at the way they're defending right now. Now they signed Lockie Barr instead as I guess like a local NPL product. But you look at how Brian Caltech's playing for the Mariners, and I'm kind of thinking, I mean, this guy was in your backyard, you know? It's um, it's a difficult one because first of all, I don't think Caltech was on the radar. Number one, Lockie yeah. Barr had a bit more of a pedigree in South Australia, but number two. Caltech already had the connection with Central Coast through Josh Smith because he had originally, when Josh Smith was still at the Central Coast, he was trialing there at the Central Coast. That's before he even Fair came enough. to the grad. Yeah. And he actually got injured and to recover from the injury, he came with Josh to White City, to Beograd when Josh came here. And that's how he came to South Australia. And Monty obviously liked it. He's talked about how he would have signed straight away if he had the spot. And the minute he went back to fitness and actually had a very strong end to the season, he was always going to sign him. And, you know, he's been a fantastic sign. And there's been a couple of red cards, which I don't agree with all of them, put it that way. But he's been superb for them. And, you know, it can be a difference like that when you're playing in transition and you're a player or two light sometimes when mm. your players are still up waiting for the counterattack. Sometimes you need, like, and. There's no other way I can phrase like a monster like that at the back that will just win the ball by any means necessary and forced forward. And he's been a fantastic addition for them. And it's just showing you that's that a, sometimes... Well, that's also why he gets himself in these situations where he has to make these these rash challenges because the Mariners play such a such a you know high-risk game like yeah. Adelaide. So he's always having to make these tackles where he's chasing and, back. And yeah. And you have to remember, this is his first season of professional football, mm. you know, at 29, I think he is. And it just shows you that there's so much talent out there in the non-conventional pathways. You don't have to go to Spain, England, Germany, blah, 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 to get an international player. Sometimes they're a lot closer than you but expect. Yes, Lewis Nanny. Wait, what? Sorry. But you know what? Oh, he came from Syria, so. Sorry, sorry. That's, he actually did. That correct yeah, me, yeah. But they, that's just. Josh Smith from FK Biograd that was with Mariners mm. that had that connection there with the Vanuatu national team that just brought a very good player over. And the Mariners are benefiting because of it. So sometimes just doing your homework and having connections can get you some really good players that people fall in love with. You see so many people show up to watch Brian Caltech because that's their background. You know, he's such a likable guy. Mm. Okay, Cody, I, I actually realized I cut you off there uh, last time. So... I've got a question though, uh, and I'm going to phrase something similar to Antonis, but do you think the Mariners are peaking at the right time? Because I genuinely think they have got a better chance than people are probably giving them of actually taking this whole thing out. Oh, yeah. We spoke a little, I, I don't know if we've actually spoken about it, but there's been general discourse about 
Mariners may be experiencing a dip in form, but probably after that game where they smacked Adelaide 4-0. But yeah, the last couple of weeks, they're really starting to grow back into their form. They did have a massive run away from home, which probably doesn't help either. They haven't had their best, um, they haven't had the best of times on the road this season. So that's something probably got to take into account as well. And it's a question I'm pretty sure I asked it to you earlier in the season, actually, how that may have affected it. I hope I did. Otherwise, that's going to look really silly. But either way, they they are peaking at the right. It's not necessarily a thing of they're peaking at the right time. You can say that there is an argument to it, but I think it's also a thing of they've had some games back at home. Now they're probably gaining a little bit more confidence as well. And you're going into a final series where you're going to have at least one semi final at home, and it's going to be the one that will get you into a grand final. So I think things are just almost kind of building to a point where they are able to be successful in a way. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think the other thing as well is that. It was, it was only recently that they that they had that draw at home, the Melbourne City, where it was a one-all draw, but they played very, very well in that game and could have easily won it. And then now they've gone to to Adelaide on a Friday night and and absolutely smashed them. Like, and this you know, is a side that isn't usually good away from home, so that's even that, better. That's right, and 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 obviously we know how how good Adelaide are at home, just just in general uh, historically as well. So like these are statement these are statement sort of performances to say, hey, it's not like this is some fairy tale run, whatever. We're actually, you know. We need to be taken seriously, as seriously as City, Wanderers, and Adelaide. It's it's an interesting one because you're talking about them peaking at the right time. Someone that's probably dropped off a little bit is actually Jason Cummings, where we're not seeing him at his best. Well, but everyone else probably there's probably some off-field reasons for that. Yeah, yeah. Look, whether it's off-field reasons or not, maybe he's taken a backward step to let some other people flourish. He's still a creative player, and it's not to say he's playing poorly. He did get an assist on Friday, not mm. from memory. So, but it's just a thing of they're doing it without their main goal scorer scoring goals. And the work he puts in is like watching him on Friday night, even when he's not contributing, like he is working hard mm. to contribute there. Yeah, I, I don't think, look, I mentioned it just then, uh, about obviously we know about Jason Cummings is, uh, you know, the rumors linking him with a move away. Cody, me and you spoke about that a couple of weeks back about him potentially going to India, but he does seem like the type of character who is going to be very much locked in and isn't going to let any of that sort of stuff affect him come, come this, uh, come this finals run. Tulio now, is hitting some sort of form, which is kind of an extra sort of thing that they can look look forward to. And then Benny Incololo as well is always he's always been kind of up and down, but then he's always got that ability to you know turn a game if if you wanted to as well. Nisbet looks like you know you can just plug him into sort of any game and he's going to be fine. Um, so they've got they've got a lot of guys that are that are performing you know at their level. And then the other one we should mention is Danny Vukovic because he's got that. He, He's won the championship. He's got the experience. He knows. So, you know, like, as much as we like to talk about the Mariners as being a young team and they've always got young players, at least now they've got a couple of guys there. Well, one being Danny Vukovic, who has been there and done that and can guide these guys through that process should they make it all the way. Um, can I just talk about this form thing? Because sides like Adelaide, sides like Central Coast, when the team is built from the coach that's basically selected each and every player. Mm-hmm. Like Carl and Monty know every single player, especially those young ones that they have trained when they're 15, yeah. 16. When you have a team like that, form is obviously important, but the important thing is you're never too far from that top form. And even though Adelaide lost 4-1, you know, I'd be backing them to wake up again against uh, Wellington. And throughout Carl's run at Adelaide United, you had... 
a month of good football, a month of inconsistency, and then straight away another five games were playing well. So you're never too far away from that. And that goes down to how the clubs have built their squads and the people they've entrusted to do so. And there's a reason why they were both fighting for a top four spot, for a top two spot on Friday night. And, you know, the Mariners now, they've played themselves into second with a favorable matchup to go into the grand mm-hmm. final. And... Mm-hmm despite having that flat patch somewhere in there, they were still good enough to stay around the mark. And despite no one basically talking about them as the side that will finish second on the last day, it was all Adelaide Wanderers. The Mariners went and did it very easily. Yeah, no, it's, if you said, because the Mariners had that, had that kind of February, March, which just, they kind of tailed off. And in that period, if you had said the Mariners are going to end up finishing second, you would have thought, well, nah, can't really see it. They may, they may be in that fourth, fifth. And, Luckily for them, luckily for them, I think if they had finished say fourth and played like Sydney in a home elimination final, I don't know if that's the best matchup for them just because, you know, Sydney are going to bring their fans down there to Gosford and it's just kind of, there's, there's a bit more maybe to it and there's a bit more, you know, and there's this experience side with Sydney coming because the younger guys with the Mariners, then there's just that, that aspect to deal with. But, um, now they, as Antonio said, they've played themselves in a scenario where if they take on Adelaide, they're going to feel like, yeah, well, we've, We've already, you know, over two games already against this team, we've shown that we're, we're superior, but, um, it's also, that is probably going to be down to what, what, what sort of Adelaide we're getting and what defending mainly we're going to get from, from Adelaide as well. But, uh, Cody, the other game which happened on Friday, uh, Melbourne City edged the Wanderers 3-2. And we just talked about Marco Tullio, but Marco Tullio was, uh, was in sensational form. Um, you, yeah, you, you mentioned that you were able to catch a bit more of this game. Um, what did you see? What are you, what are you making, I guess, of Melbourne City? And also, just on the Wanderers, was this a, a missed opportunity for, for, for the Wanderers to, to steal that second spot? Well, yeah, of course it was a missed opportunity, but I think it was the one that you could kind of see coming. I think the thing with this Melbourne City side, they were going to lift, be lifting the trophy at the, at the end of this match. They had the presentation for Jamie McLaren as well. They, there was no way that they were going to come out of that. At the very least, not lose. They, they weren't going to lose. That's, I think that one thing that we could get straight. Wanderers, if they had got a point, they were looking a lot better. But, um, the situation they're in now, it's not necessarily a thing of, yeah, this missed opportunity didn't make top two or top three. They've probably got the literal worst case scenario out of this semi final in that, this season yeah. that they could have asked for. You're talking about peaking at the right time. Sydney FC are full strength. All right, let's let's get to this. Let's get this because I I actually think so. After the game, Rudin was asked about this about them playing Sydney, and look, we know Rudin likes to be confident and stuff, but he kind of suggested, like, oh, like you know, it, it's all right, like we we can handle them, sort of thing. I are we sure? Are we sure the Wanderers want to play Sydney FC well, in elimination? If, if I'm the Wanderers, I'd be saying yes. Uh, they should. They yeah. should be looking forward to these big games because if they can win that match, that is a massive statement for the club. Mm-hmm. But Sydney FC are hitting full strength. They're hitting form. If they, Sydney FC go and turn up to that game as well, they very well could win that game. I said this. I remember after let's the last. Not forget, game, wait, let's not forget as well. Sydney FC are going to have the biggest chip on their shoulder going to that game as well after the four 0 derby defeat. That's that's well, a huge. That's that's what I was about to bring up. I remember yeah. the last Sydney derby, after the last Sydney derby. We sat here on the Sunday night afterwards, mm-hmm. and we were talking about, oh, this is a very very dark period for Sydney. And I said, hold on. They're still in the top six. They're still got oh, something to go. fight for. Here we go. This, this no, no, I'm not, I'm not saying this in the context that I was right. I'm saying this in the context of they've turned things around. They actually look kind of good now. In here's, a way. here's the thing. LaFondra's come back and it's kind of like... LaFondra's come back. 
Roadwell's yeah. come back. Lolly's starting to hit a bit of form again. Max playing his best football. Their midfield's starting to combine really well. Casera is, I think, someone as well that goes under the radar in this league too. And I said that day, the only way anyone in the top four, no matter how it finishes, loses the first semi is if it's a Wanderers and Sydney FC a derby semi-final. That's, that situation is playing out now because I, I just said Sydney are in good form. Yeah, form goes out the window as well in this game. Wanderers' form is going to go out the window in this game. Sydney FC's form is going to go out the window in this game. And it's purely going to come down to who wants it on that specific day. And that is probably the worst case scenario for the Wanderers because if Sydney FC turn up, they're, they're, they're in trouble. And that's what uh, I wanted to say because the Wanderers had that chance to finish second on the Friday night and you end up going from having a week off to playing the one side you don't want. I don't care how well they think the match up against them because when you earn the home yeah, advantage, sorry, when you sorry. finish higher, yeah. you feel like, all right, this is our advantage. Advantage out the window in the city derby. It's a, exactly. it's a street match. And- you know, and what I'm saying, yeah, yeah, but what I'm trying to get at is like the Wanderers, that, I know what Cody's saying, you know, City weren't going to lose that game because of all the stuff around it, but the Wanderers could have won that game. Like, you know, it wasn't like, you know, City were kind of, it felt like. It's not even about winning that game though. Even if they drew, they, they come third, they play the Phoenix. No, but that's what, but I'd that's be what confident in that like, Phoenix they, game. Yeah, but hang on, hang on. A they went ahead with Milanovic and then they give away a goal straight away, which was a great goal to be fair by Melbourne City. It was very well worked. And then they concede a cheap goal to lose the game. Like that's uncharacteristic stuff for this Wanderers team defensively in particular to do that. And I don't think like there was kind of this feeling from Rudin afterwards that it was kind of like, Oh, you know, Hey, it was a good performance. We kind of took it to the best team in the league. So and look, that's, that's true. That's all true. But all I'm saying is you could have won that game and you could have put yourself or drawn, like you're saying, and put yourself in a much better position. Now, I know, I know, you know, you're going to kind of go into sitting down and be like, Hey, you know, we're confident. We beat them 4 0 last time. You know, let's not. But I mean, you, you can't underestimate how. How keen Sydney are going to be to rectify. This isn't for them. This isn't just about the elimination final winning that. This is about setting things right after the last derby. That's, and that's, there's a two way, there's a double edged sword going into this. And Rudin can be confident all he wants. The squad can be confident all they want. They can prepare for it Mm. of which way they want. But all it's going to take is in the first five minutes, Bratton to come in flying on Ninkovic. Tempers are going to flare. Emotion's going to run into the game. And that's what happens in a derby. That's why they needed to avoid this game. They can take it to the best side in the competition all they want. I think it was fantastic that they did. I don't think they had a bad performance, but they needed something out of that game to make sure they avoided this clash. Like I said, you're playing Wellington Phoenix. They slaughtered Wellington Phoenix the last time they played them at home. That's a ne- that's almost an easy trip. Not an easy trip, but they're coming to Sydney, of course, but that's, well, that's I think, an easy I think both Adelaide, I think both Adelaide and the Wanderers would want to avoid Sydney FC, to be honest. I don't think... If, I was, if moment, I was Adelaide, I wouldn't be too fussed about no. Sydney FC. Oh, really? Oh, uh, no. Well, well, I don't know. Sydney FC was arguably the better side a couple of weeks arguably, ago. Arguably, I think they were, I think they were definitely the better uh, side. Yeah, and, I, I'm st- and with Sydney FC, I just want to bring up this point. It's not like they haven't won a derby at Parramatta this year. You know, they've got the belief mm. that they mm. can do this. It's not, they haven't been battered every week. For three of the, for the majority of the derbies, they've been in it until the last one. And they've actually won one over there. So, you know, the belief is there. And I think the motivation is there. And if anyone's entering this with, I guess, that fire, it's Sydney because they lost the opening game, the opening dive at the new stadium. They got humiliated by them. How can you say, all right, you win the first final against them. You, you end their best season in half a decade. That's what people In a season that's been season. supposedly terrible for them. 
Exactly. So he had said it all the way right, and that's what they're going to be going and doing. And the Wanderers did not want that. Rudin would say whatever he wants, he does not want this... Emotional yeah. matchup in week one. No one wants that. That's a grand final based matchup. Oh, can we have a look? Oh, can someone hang on? Can someone tell like Paramount and stuff that we can have like a like press press red or something to check out the coaches cam? And it's just like it's just the cam just on just on Rudin Corridor all game. That would be fantastic. To be honest, it'd be fun. Change it from PG though. <laughs> well, well, obviously, hey, yeah, for sure. Look, Antonis, you're talking. No one wants this matchup. I think any neutral in the country oh, wants absolutely. this matchup because, from a neutral yeah. perspective, this is tasty as anything. Oh, uh, no, everyone wants it except anyone at the Wanderers. I mean, anyone in the Wanderers doesn't want it as much as they tell you. Oh, yeah, bring them on. At the back of everyone's mind, there's a little bit. What if this happens? Here's, yeah, here's my prediction. I think Lafondra is going to do something in this game. That That's all I'm saying. I, I think whether it's... <laughs> don't, don't, don't act like it's, oh, wow, great take. No, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm going to clip that and play it back to you when LaFondra does something and if that something's like gets to get you himself sent off or something. I'd happily, I'd happily allow you to post that, oh, well, I can do it, whatever, on on our, <laughs> on our social media. And if the Wanderers fans want to ratio me in the comments, then, you know, go go ahead and, uh, go ahead and do it. Something is very broad. Like, when he takes kickoff, that's something. No, what? I, okay, so I was actually just I'm, about, I'm to, get, I was major. about to get into the specifics, and then I was really interrupted. Um, <laughs> I could see him maybe scoring and getting, getting the lead, or scoring the winner, some kind of goal, some kind of assist, some kind of moment that basically turns the tide of the game, or in 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 one way or the other. I could just see it. I think he's, I think he's kind of his scoring, his impact on that Sydney team has kind of been underrated all season because he's because he's been out for a while. And stuff. And then since he's come back, he's just kind of picked up where he's left off with the scoring. And he's just such a, he's just such a, you know, natural born poacher. Like he, he could just get it on the end of something in this game and, and, and it could just change the result completely. You mentioned. Yeah, I'm backing Sydney FC myself. I just feel the way this has mm. fallen, it's just perfectly made for this narrative that will just make next season even more hotly contested because both sides will have such a big bragging right over another and they'll never be able to settle this. So I'm feeling Sydney. Um, before I say what I think, you mentioned LaFondra doing something. You're talking about, you've got to side with him and Lolly in it. They're both English. They both played in big games in England. And you know what the English people like. They love to wind up the opposition. If LaFondra and Lolly go out there, they do something and they start winding up the RBB or the opposition. It's it's going to send the game into chaos. If I was, if I was, I'm telling you now, Lolly. Uh, he came off late, but I don't know if he's actually out or not. He's having scans in his hamstring. Yeah, we don't know what he's he's playing. The game, the game would be less for it if he's not playing. We'll have to get the more information, I guess, on that during the week. If you want, if you want my thoughts on how that game's going to play out, honestly, it it will come down to if the Wanderers can keep their heads. If the Wanderers go there, they lose their shit. Um, like let's just say the Adelaide game where they kind of fell apart. Well, th- this is what I'm going to say. If I'm Steve Corrigan in the change room before the game, I'm saying wind we them are up. doing do everything we can to wind my wind up the crowd. The wind up, that's, Mar- Mar- that's all it'll be. Wind up Marcelo. <laughs> wind up Marcelo. The target Ninkovic. Target players like Yengi. Target the people yeah. that yeah. you know you're going to get a reaction out of. You'll end up with two or three of their players getting sent off. And if the Wanderers want to see this game out, they need to make sure no matter what Sydney FC do to us. We need to keep our heads. If yeah. they want to go and kick us, let them kick us. We'll do it talking with our football. Because if it comes down to purely a football match, I do think the Wanderers will win. I agree. I agree. Yeah. But I think, I think. Emotion's a funny thing. thing. 
Yeah, that's right. And I think as well... And that's their identity as well. You know, the whole, oh, we're the emotional, we are passionate. So I don't know if they're playing today. It might be their downfall this weekend. Okay, I'll just uh, I'll just now pick up the point I was uh, I was making uh, two seconds. <laughs> but in again. Um, no, I think that Sydney also have you know they do have a big game kind of know how as well. Now I know I say that on the back of the last time they lost four nil, and the Wanderers do have much more experience this time around. But you can't, yeah, you know, you also have to look at the fact that there are some guys in that Sydney team that have played in grand finals. They know they know how to handle the big the big occasion. But um, another couple of points. Melbourne City. Um, there was kind of a little bit of a patch, kind of what maybe a month or so after Rado kind of took over, and and they kind of lost a couple of games, and everyone's like, okay, you know, maybe they're not as formidable as as they once were. But at the end of the season, they actually finished quite strong, which I think which I think should be should be commended. They they beat the Knicks four one. Uh, they cruised past Western three one, and then they've beaten they've beaten a fellow you know title rival in the Wanderers three two. So I guess Melbourne City are kind of and with Leckie coming back, Vanderman coming back, you know, they're now starting to I guess find themselves back in a position that they were at the start of the season. I think you've got to also look at the fact that. And I said this the last time we spoke about if Melbourne City are experiencing a dip. Van der Ven's back, Leckie's back. Yep. As much as they come off the bench, you look at the West United game, Leckie came off the bench in that game and it was class. I thought it was probably the best player on the pitch when it was on the field. You have someone, you add someone like that to a squad that is maintaining a first place position. It, it does wonders for your team. And even Van der Ven is arguably the best midfielder in the competition. You add someone like that in, it's doing a lot for your side. And, they're, they've now got another week off to really rest, really get themselves back into fitness. Mm. By the time their semi-finals are rolling around, you're facing a full-strength Melbourne City squad, and a full-strength Melbourne City squad is fucking scary. <laughs> I do, I do think that I, obviously you take the week off as a club as players, but I think what they need is this match fitness to actually play and play together mm. again to rediscover that. But I guess the benefit of this new final system we had a couple of years now is that you're not one and done in the semi-final. You get the two legs. If the first one doesn't go your way, especially finishing first, you get the second one at home to really drive the match home. So keep an eye out of that because obviously at the start of the year, they were rolling through everyone in full strength. But when you haven't played together in a couple of months, you're still putting those puzzle pieces together, which I'm sure they'll be able to do. But again, having that, week after week consistency puts any doubt to bed. Okay. Um, so Adelaide and, and Phoenix... Can I ask a question? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It would it be worth uh, Melbourne City maybe reaching out to, say, a Western United well, I was, going, I was just, yeah, I was just hey, why don't we have a friendly think, just to keep us yeah. getting a bit of fitness? Yeah, I think they'll organise some kind of friendly maybe. Be interesting. Uh, you know, behind closed doors to, to play and kind of keep everyone kind of up to speed. Um, so, and, and let's not forget as well that those training sessions heading into that semi-final are going to be pretty intense as well, right? There's, there's guys vying for places. And so, you know, you can, I can already think of Marco Tilio probably training his ass off to try and make sure that he starts, you know, uh, in, in, in those semi-final games. So, so there's that as well. But Naboo, you know, I got to say this, Naboo looks pretty good at the moment. You know, he's kind of, um, found, found a bit of form, uh, of late. Uh, you know the the assist that he gave for the for the second goal on 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 a uh, on on Friday was was pretty good as well. So yeah, I, th- I do think you know Tilio then showed with with his performance you know what he can bring as well. So there's going to be a couple of conundrums there I think for Ferrado Vitisic as well. But Adelaide and the Phoenix is the other elimination final. I'm just going to say this now. I I can't really see a world where Wellington get anything out of this game to be honest. 
I think it's the best case scenario for Adelaide. You're talking about, yeah, we've been, um, Adelaide's been struggling of late. This is probably the one game that you can look at it and go, all right, this match can kind of play us back into form. There's no disrespect to Wellington Phoenix, but they're on a weird kind of run. I know they won their last game against MacArthur, but very, very look, unconvincing. It, very unconvincing. And it was a very poor MacArthur side as well. So I don't know how much you can really read into that. Yeah, look, they'll be, it'll give them a bit of confidence, but Adelaide, if Adelaide sit there during the week and go, okay, we need to get our shit together. We need to really play at that level that we were kind of between February and March. If Adelaide can get to that, they go into this game going, yeah, we're going to do, we're going to do things our way. We're going to play our game. Suddenly you're beating Wellington Phoenix and you're probably beating them comfortably. And then those last few games before the season ended go out the window because you're on the back of a good performance. Confident, no matter who you're going up against, whether it's Mariners or it will be Mariners if they win, you can't. You can kind of disregard. Okay, yeah, we may have lost those games to them previously heavily, but we're now confident. We're coming off a good performance. We know what we need to do to win, and we're not going to let that happen again. Well, I just say this about Wellington is that we just spoke about Adelaide's defence. So, and we know Wellington have got one of the best marksmen in the league in Oscar Zavada. So. If they do get a chance for their way, they're going to be confident in the fact that they've got a guy who can put that away. And, and Wellington, the weird thing is, and it's weird to say this about an Ufak, Tale, uh, Wellington team going into this game, but I don't feel confident if they actually take the lead that they could actually kind of shithouse their way to a result because they're just conceding. And I know they kept a clean sheet on the weekend, but before that, they've just been conceding way too many goals at, at this, at this latter stage of the season. And yeah, Cody, yeah. On, on the weekend, they also. <laughs> Missed a few chances to really extend their lead and they're lucky MacArthur themselves just can't really buy themselves a goal at play, yeah. uh, of late. Otherwise, yeah, they probably would have been caught uh, up uh, another lead. And like, that's something that's been a common theme of their season. They've lost a lot of points from winning positions. Yeah. MacArthur, uh, MacArthur, a turgid. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Antonis, did you want to add something on this? Yeah. Um, United should be winning this. I think we all agree on that. Last time they played each other a few weeks ago, yeah. United got it done very comfortably. Weirdly though, is- weirdly, Antonis, but I just have one caveat to that game. If you remember the, and I remember seeing the XG for that after the game it was actually quite close. Like Wellington could have very easily scored, yeah. you know, two or three. Yeah. But once United goes on the roll at Hindmarsh, a different yeah. story. And remember yeah. that was, it's a different time. It was during that period where United couldn't lose. Now, it's just about how you enter this game. And Carl Veer did mention a couple of weeks ago that he wasn't happy with how the mentality of training midweek. You cannot enter this match thinking, oh, thank God it's the Wellington Phoenix and not Sydney FC because Sydney FC troubled us last time. Wellington is at its best when no one rates Wellington, when mm-hmm. everyone is dismissing them, oh, the coach is checked out or the players are checked out. That's what they want. They want to prove people wrong. And if you give them a chance, they will. So if Adelaide shows up ready to play and creates chances and takes his chances, they won't have a problem. But you cannot just think, oh, thankfully it's Wellington and not Team X and expect to go through. Ibusuki and Clough should be back. Yep. Carl mentioned good additions. Haven't played in a couple of weeks, so we'll see how that works. If they come straight in or if they come in off the bench. Things for Carvier to consider. But again, Adelaide's gone from having potentially a week off in its hands to now playing against a side that has a free hit, has nothing to lose. 
And that's where things, for me, are at the most dangerous when they have nothing to lose because all the expectation is on Adelaide and they will have to perform because they played themselves into this position. And Tonis is also going to have to go like cry in the shower because it probably means Johnny Yell is not going to start in the, in the, in the game against Wellington. So, yeah. He, he's trusted now. You bring him off the bench, you'll make a difference. No, that's, that's true. That's true. He's definitely worked himself into the, into the picture anyway. And he's done a, he's done a great job. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what part he, he potentially plays in that game as well. But last thing. So the roadmap, we've kind of mentioned it a little bit and the bracket, how it could kind of work out. So if Adelaide win, they'll play the Mariners. And then whoever wins out of that, out of that Sydney derby will play Melbourne City. So it's interesting because we just mentioned with Adelaide 10 potentially playing the team, which has had their number, um, you know, all season. And this is something at times I mentioned before where you, you kind of noticed that, and you, we've mentioned before that City have kind of the Wanderers number and we've mentioned that Adelaide have City's number. Well, now the Mariners seem to have Adelaide's number. So it's kind of like this constant merry-go-round of teams who play well against other teams but then also struggle against other teams. So it's it's very unpredictable. Yeah. One thing you don't see in the league as much, and this is why I really like when teams go in the Asian competitions, is when you actually, or in Asian competitions, you have to come up against the unknown. You do not know how the Carl Viet of Asia plays, you know? It's a completely different thing you walk into. This is a different scenario that, okay, you play the Mariners in week X, it goes awfully wrong. You get to move on and you get to focus on the other team. Right now, when you get to the semifinals, you play a team on one week, you see how it goes for good and for bad, and you have to adjust for the week after. Mm. And that's where these coaches, for me, really make their money. Because you're there for 90 minutes, but you don't get to forget them. You don't get to forget that you played the Mariners a few months ago because you play them again in a week. What are you going to do to get the better of them? So this is what I really like about the semifinals because you see the adjustments in real time. It doesn't get forgotten. It's right there for you. So I really, really enjoy seeing what size do differently from one week to the other. Yeah, yeah, nah, for sure. And yeah, then I guess the winner of that derby plays plays Melbourne City, which either way is going to be tasty because you'd have either Melbourne City and the Wanderers over two legs or Melbourne City and Sydney FC over two legs. And we know Melbourne City and Sydney FC have, have, have that history with great Well, to be fair, that depends so. on who it's the f- highest place. Melbourne City will play the lowest finalists. Yeah, no, no. So Melbourne, up. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, if, um, Wellington win, then. Yeah, yeah, I City know. But, but we're, 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 we're coming from this from a, from a point where I think we're, we're all pretty confident Adelaide should get the job done against, True. against Wellington. Yeah. True, so, but, but it's, but, it's still no. a, it's still a possibility. But, well, let, let me just Keep say this about Wellington. Wellington on here. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, all right. Well, I won't say the next thing I was going to say then. Let, I'll just leave that out um, because it probably would have fucking come across as disrespectful to, to Phoenix fans. Um, but well, all right. Quick predictions. So I think we're all unanimously saying Adelaide against Wellington. Yeah. 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 Uh, Sydney Derby. What are, what do we think? I'm, look, I know we said what we said about Sydney. I'd still safe bet. I'll go with the Wanderers to, to get it done. Antonis, you're no, not I'm here. Head. You're I'm gonna... here for the chaos. I'm here for Sydney. <laughs> yeah. To go for Sydney. Yeah, look, I'm going to go for my usual. Um, I don't care what happens. Just score a lot of goals. Uh, Wanderers, I reckon. Uh, let's go five, four. I just want to see it. Yeah, or five three and give me like two or three red cards. Between Brisbane and, um, the and the Wanderers. Yeah, that's too yeah. similar. I'll go five three, but like give that. me a couple oh. red cards as well. Exciting. Oh, yeah. Make me happy. Some kind of chaos. I mean, we're going to have, you know, a rocking high march on a Friday night and then we're going to have a, a rocking kind of Sydney derby on a Saturday night. So it should be a good week. It should be a good uh, week. league at its best. Yeah, that's right. Are we allowed to use that term anymore or? 
I don't give a fuck. I'm yes. doing it. <laughs> All right. Until it gets uh, sold to Tourism New South Wales. Okay, okay. <laughs> let's, that, that's let's, Destination New South Wales, sir. And this Whatever. is this this podcast is destination over. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to fly us over to Sydney to do this in a couple of weeks. We shouldn't have that kind of money. <laughs> the can of worms, the can of worms has been opened, and now the and now the jokes are being made. Um, I think I am loaded. No, you get it from your sponsors. Where are my sponsors? Can you point them out to me, man? I want them. I want the money. <laughs> <sighs> This is spiraling. It's late. It's a Sunday night. <laughs> so let's wrap up the podcast. Um, you can, uh, you can follow us on, on Twitter and, uh, Instagram at FrontPG Football. Also on Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, and the website frontpagefootball.net. And, uh, yeah, there's been, yeah, like I mentioned before, made a little joke with Antonis came on, but there has been quite a few articles go up on the, uh, on the site next week. Hoping for a couple more. Uh, I've actually got, boys, I've actually got something in the works, which is, uh, gonna come out, uh, in this, in this coming week. So there you go. I'm glad um, it's for us this time. What? I'm glad it's for us this time. Okay. Okay. I'm going to, I'm, <laughs> I'm not acknowledging. Acknowledging that, uh, at all, and we're just going to wrap this up. So anything, anything, uh, either of you two wanted to plug or mention before, before we finish, or, or is Antonis done being a shit house on this podcast? <laughs> um, one thing I guess, one thing I guess you could say on a actually serious note, which I know is shocking coming from me. I'm sure everyone's seen the news <laughs> what happened in, I'm sure everyone's seen the news what happened in Western Sydney, um, with the referee getting physically assaulted and put in hospital. Um, if you do play at a local level and literally amateur level, that was the Bankstown District Amateur Football Association. No disrespect to them. It's the same level that any other district is. Um, you're not playing in the World Cup. You're playing all age. You're not, probably not getting paid for it. Don't do anything stupid. Respect the referees. They're, 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 an am- they're amateur level referees as well. You're not getting Pier P- Luigi Colino, however they'll pronounce his name. They'll make mistakes. Don't, don't, don't disrespect them. Don't be stupid. Um, I will, I will escalate that even further and say you are an absolute moron, uh, if you are doing what, what that guy, uh, did in It's needless, it's unnecessary, yeah, well, and it's we need That's assault, that's criminal. That's, that's yeah, it's, it's criminal. Sorry, I, I probably, I probably yeah. wasn't even too far in my assessment there. Um, but, <laughs> and I, I, I just had my two cents that if, to, for the same sort of thing on the long lines of if you coach junior state leagues in South Australia. So yeah, uh, any, <laughs> uh that's that's my uh two cents okay Antonis said he's he's good so uh we're gonna wrap this up uh thanks thanks for uh, listening to another episode of the of the podcast we might have something might have another episode coming out during the week and then of course we'll have a bit of a wrap-up of uh of the elimination finals and look ahead to those semi-finals in the a-league men uh next week uh from from today so uh yeah until uh until the next episode it's bye for now <laughs>